This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. To hire drivers, you've got to work fast and smart. Did you know Driver Pulse, a driver-facing mobile app from 10th Street, is two to three times more effective than texting and four to five times more effective than email at getting drivers to respond? Driver Pulse is the largest source of free driver applications in trucking. Downloaded by almost two million drivers to find jobs, complete training, and communicate with carriers. Companies find who they're looking for, and drivers find their homes with Driver Pulse from 10th Street, a name you trust. That's 10street.com, T-E-N street.com. Welcome back to another edition of Check Call. Today we're covering all things scorecarding and benchmarking. Don't forget to subscribe to Check Call the newsletter on FreightWaves.com if you haven't already. Before we dive into our guest interview, there is some news in the world that you should check out. A tiny step towards unionization has come to one of the biggest truckload carriers in the country. At three facilities in New Jersey, operated by mostly one-way trucking carrier ECM, which is 80% wholly owned by Werner after a 2021 acquisition. The United Food and Commercial Workers Union won a representation vote earlier this week to represent 26 workers. The operations are in Cinnamonson, Hamilton, and Piscataway. Apologies to people in those cities, because I very clearly do not know how to pronounce them. Mike Thompson, who led the union unionization drive for the UFCW's Local 152, said the vote was 17 in favor and 8 opposed, with one member not voting. The 26 workers at ECM compared to a workforce that total about 10,249 drivers, 693 mechanics, and maintenance personnel for its trucking activities. 1,610 office associates for its trucking business and 1,748 employees at Werner Logistics, its internal 3PL, and other non-trucking activities. The union battle was still considered significant enough that Warner, at Werner that, according to Thompson, the Warner CEO, Derek Lathers, did visit the workers in New Jersey before the vote to make the company's case against unionization. Could this be the beginning of a non-unionization revolution? Today, we are joined by John Stauffer, COO and co-founder of Isometric Technologies. Welcome to the show, John. Thanks so much, Mary. Pleasure to be here. I know we previously had Brian on, and I'm excited to get the other half of the brain behind ISO on this uh, on this show because, you know, you guys are pretty cool. And uh, it's like, I don't know, I always feel like a nice, complete, full circle moment when I get both co-founders. feel like I like leveled up in life. Yeah, you've got uh, the yin and yang here. So full full picture. Anytime. Let's get some background on you and kind of what led you to start ISO. Uh, yeah. So um, I've been in the logistics space my entire career or t- and um, got my start at Echo Logistics in Chicago back around 2008, um, right around when they were investing in full truckload as a service. Up until that point, they were kind of more focused on LTL uh, was their primary mode of uh, uh, or driver of revenue there. Um, so it was one of the first carrier reps um, on that team. So you know, probably one of the first twenty or thirty folks saw that group scale from, uh, you know, a v- very small group up to almost five hundred by the time I I left the the company in uh, twenty fifteen. 
Um, spent my entire career or time at Echo on the carrier sales, carrier operations side of the house. Um, and then uh, moved out to San Francisco from Chicago uh, in 2015. We were kind of polar vortexed out uh, and ready for uh, some career changes. Uh, when I got introduced to a couple former uh, Google employees that were working on an autonomous trucking company called Auto. Um, had the opportunity to join uh, the Auto team uh, to help work on uh, commercializing self-driving trucks uh, across the industry and got to work on uh, the world's first autonomous truckload uh, driven by uh, the robot driver and uh, Anheuser-Busch in Colorado. So it was super exciting. Uh, a few short months after I joined, though, we were acquired by Uber. Um, and that's where Brian Crystal, our uh, CEO, and I got connected. Um, he was the uh, first sales hire at Uber um, across the organization. He had uh, been working on uh, commercializing a, a global fleet of Priuses, figuring out how to uh, what else you could put in Priuses besides people. Uh, move them around. So, uh, he he led what was ultimately, you know, uh, the Uber Eats kind of go to market, um, and then after that, transitioned into exploring um, other final mile businesses, and uh, was you know doing a lot of explorations with like the WalMarts and Targets of the world, which led them down the path into trucking. Um, and I was also working on uh, basically a digital marketplace um, at Auto while I was there. So uh, the his team and my team kind of joined forces um, and that ultimately became kind of the foundation or forming team of uh, Uber Freight. Um, I spent uh, the, you know, about the first three and a half years at Uber Freight on the product side, focused on building out our TMS um, and the uh, operations tools that powered the brokerage uh, at Uber Freight. And that was probably the kind of first glimpse into uh, our first aha moment for what we're solving here at ISO, um, seeing the amount of time that uh, our team spent scrubbing scorecards and auditing all of this data that comes inbound from our shippers uh, was quite remarkable. I remember living it as an operator in the space, uh, my time at Echo, but seeing it kind of spread across the organization was uh, kind of eye-popping. Uh, and then Brian and I, uh, we uh, left Uber Freight in uh, 20. 18, late 2018. Um, and we were kind of talking to uh, a number of enterprise shippers and kind of doing some explorations and understanding what, you know, challenges they were dealing with. And one thing that kept coming up was this concept of scorecarding. We were like, okay, uh, that's a well-known problem or challenge that, you know, we experienced as brokers um, and carriers in your networks, but we didn't really realize that that was a pain point on your end too. And they kind of peeled back layers of the onion and they're like, well, yeah, we scorecard, uh, we get scorecarded by our customers just the same way we scorecard our carriers, right? Um, Walmart, Target, Kroger, Costco, they scorecard us the same way uh, every week or every month. And those come with actually millions of dollars of penalties. Um, and the first place that people look is at transportation. Uh, it's kind of the smoking gun and uh, tip of the spear. So uh, they go through this kind of painstaking process of understanding their transportation performances as uh, well as they possibly can. So that was kind of what the, the light bulb moment for ISA. We saw an opportunity to connect the dots between uh, you know inbound customer performance at an order level and tying that back to the shipment performance at the transportation level, um, and ultimately you know helping shippers understand and quantify. Um, the cost of service, whether that's through, you know, like an OTIF penalty or spot exposure, 
uh, to help help them understand their procurement spend beyond paper rates. Um, so uh, we uh, we started the company in uh, early 2020 and uh, focused on a go to market with enterprise shippers where transportation uh, is a significant amount of their overall cost of goods sold. Um, so uh, it behooves them to invest in uh, performance data and uh, and most of them have you know, really heavy truckload volumes. Um, so the scorecarding process is you know particularly um, you know laborsome for for their, their teams to manage and their carriers as well. So um, yeah, we are now uh, about almost four years into the business and uh, excited about our progress and uh, we're launching a broker solution here um, actually this month. Um, which is uh, kind of a clone of our shipper solution to help brokers better understand their inbound performance for their customers and the underlying carriers, um, introducing uh, the the industry's first uh, service level benchmarking uh, product. So we're really excited. I'm really excited for that because as someone who likes data and likes knowing, you know, how things are going, because you know, you always have those instances of, oh, so-and-so carrier was late or, oh, this broker messed up or you always hear those instances, but then actually like how often does it really happen? Because you just hear about the times that went wrong, but that might not be as often. And so it's nice to have that data to back it up and say, okay, well, this happened on these many loads and this happened on this many. And actually it gives you a bigger picture of, you know, how often you do have these hiccups because it's logistics and transportation. You're never going to have a hundred percent no problem whatsoever uh because honestly i don't think that that's possible you might have a day where nothing goes horribly wrong but then it's going to be followed by a day where there's literally just various dumpster fires you just put out the one that's the biggest i want to elaborate on this new broker uh benchmarking software that you have and then also you know why is this performance data from the shipper perspective and the broker perspective so crucial yeah no i mean if you um you know, and what we see across our customer base is, you know, the performance data is ultimately, you know, the back end of their procurement process. Um, you know, obviously the performance data helps, you know, shippers and carriers and brokers understand, you know, how they're performing relative to the SLAs that are negotiated in their contract, whether it's, you know, 98% tender acceptance and 97% on time pick and delivery. Um, but also where they need to make adjustments in their networks and those tweaks, right? Where they're having underperformance or soft spots in there. Um, and we, what we see is that performance is directly correlated to wallet share and growth, right? For uh, high performers. So strong performers, they, we see their volumes increase. Uh, we see their revenue increase. Whereas underperformers, you know, they get cycled out of networks um, or don't get access to, you know, mini bids or special projects or those, uh, you know, critical opportunities to, to over deliver and uh, you know improve the improve the relationship with your customers. I think that especially now in the kind of you know down freight market that we're having, when we're seeing um, you know rejection tender rejections at like three percent in some markets, meaning like you know ninety percent of all carriers are accepting freight that comes to them. I think now more than ever those scorecards of you know how many times are you accepting things, how many times are you delivering on time, those metrics of service, I think are really speaking more now because you know if if i'm paying people the same i'm gonna go with the one that has better service um i mean unless you're one of the shippers that just really likes a low-cost carrier then 
it doesn't really matter what your service are as long as they're just the cheapest option. But that's not all shippers. Yeah. And there's a time and a place for that too, right? And we see a, a really good opportunity to help shippers and brokers uh, alike both kind of align and optimize their networks based on what's important to them, whether it's lowest cost provider or a high service provider. Um, people should understand what the performance levels are of the carriers that they're working with and uh, so that they can make those trade-offs and those decisions. I uh, am going to just say shippers out there, maybe just don't always choose the low-cost carrier because although you pay more, you pay less in rates, um, you're going to pay more in like claims and damages. But that's a whole other episode that we'll get into another day. Uh, <laughs> so when it comes to these KPIs, um, what ones are more most commonly used to kind of measure the performance of a freight broker and kind of is there a standardization that you can use to compare any any freight brokers between each other? Yeah. Um, I mean, a, a, the visibility that we have across our network, the most common KPIs that we see are things like on-time performance, whether it's both pickup and delivery. And we basically see three different versions of that or flavors. Um, on-time to the appointment, on-time to the appointment plus you know two hours and on-time to the day. Um, then things like tender acceptance, you know, what's the effectiveness of this contract and how are the, you know, how's the award performing? Um, and then tracking compliance. Um, so whether it's a four kites or a P44 um, or other telematics, um, you know, from a visibility standpoint, uh, and then also kind of timeliness of updates. How quickly are they closing out stops? How quickly are they, you know, providing paperwork and, uh, you know, uh, updates on to, you know, the statuses of the shipment. So, uh, those are the most common ones that we see. Uh, you know, some some of our uh, some of our shippers have you know 30, 40 different metrics that they're tracking. But you know, universally across the entire network, those are the most common ones that we see, and that you know helps us um, to you know begin to standardize those. Right? If we see the same KPIs over and over again, um, you know, as we can align on a, a standard definition and start to uh, standardize, which unlocks things like benchmarking. Um, and in terms of how, you know, how, how we view standardization, you know, we look and see how ready is the industry for this sort of thing. And, you know, we look at things like the appointment scheduling consortium, um, that, you know, Echo, Uber Freight, Convoy, JV Hunt, and other folks are kind of leading the charge on. Um, so we believe that, you know, there's signals there that the industry is ready to start, you know, adopting, uh, standards, uh, and, you know, so long as, you know, we can come to, you know, agreement and align on, you know, the definitions of these KPIs, um, you know, we think that there's a, a really good opportunity to start to uh, drive adoption across the industry. Everybody's kind of tracking these internally um, today anyway. Um, so we think that, uh, you know, the ability to track these at a network wide level really unlocks uh, some some big uh, benefits and efficiencies from a, from a benchmarking standpoint. I feel like that's also got to be a game changer as well, not only for like, you know, knowing how if I'm a shipper, if I want to know how my brokers are doing or my logistic service providers or, you know, how they're performing. And then the same for um, if I'm a logistic service provider, I want to know how my carriers are doing. I feel like also if I'm a broker and I have this great and I have, you know, a great scorecard with this shipper, I can in turn go around and say, hey, look, you know, we know that we're, you know, two times better than anyone else at this level or we're X amount above this benchmark. Like, can we have some more freight? 
but you know, obviously in like a more eloquent way. Has you guys seen a lot of success with instances like that? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, so it like it, especially in this market right now, shippers are getting solicited by brokers and carriers hundreds of times a week, if not you know more, depending on the shipper. Uh, and it's a, it's an email, you know, saying, "Hey, we're we're the best at everything. We can handle any type of freight under the sun and unlimited volume and um, all this amazing stuff." And we talk to our customers, our our shipper customers, um, all the time, and they say that you know, hey, we have a really difficult time vetting these carriers and these brokers and all this inbound emails. Like it's it's incredibly noisy, and we don't really know who we should respond to or not. But the ones that leverage data and provide that, uh, you know, that evidence of, um, uh, or evidence of proof saying like, Hey, we are a top performer for this customer. These are the volumes that we're, you know, carrying, and these are the, you know, specific areas or types of freight, um, that we really stand out in. Those are the folks that are, you know, getting, you know, their foot in the door or access to those networks. Um, and I think that, you know, from, you know, a, from adopting standardized uh, performance metrics and, you know, introducing benchmarking into that is incredibly powerful and a great way to differentiate um, and help, you know, carriers and brokers that may previously not have had access to, you know, some of the bigger names in the space, um, it would get them, you know, get the attention of a lot of these larger shippers out there. I absolutely love that. I'm a big proponent of, you know, your data doesn't lie. You can manipulate it to say what you want, but for the most part, it doesn't lie. So um, really coming in with that first, because everyone will make that promise that, oh, we're we're God's gift to transportation. We can make anything happen under the sun. But are you? But are you? So that's one of those where you're just like, I don't know about that. But when you come in with that data and everything, then it kind of immediately like gives you that validation seal that like everything's good. And, you know, you're someone to at least warrant that second conversation with to continue to build that relationship and see if maybe there is room for a partnership there. Um, but I guess when it comes to developing this technology and collecting all of this data, um, how do you guys even go about doing it? Um, because you know, you're just taking so if there's a huge problem in our industry where there's just there's a bunch of data, but it's all kind of a hot mess. So how do you kind of aggregate it and make it into something, you know, usable and beneficial to everybody? Uh, no, it's a good question. And, you know, we, we I think one of the big reasons that this hasn't been done yet is you kind of need this like in Switzerland out there. You need a neutral uh, unbiased third party to facilitate this um, and aggregate all the data, um, analyze it and produce the measurements, but also, you know, determine how, you know, outliers and what needs to be kind of thrown away, right? Because to your point, you can have, you can manipulate data to tell whatever story you want. So, um, yeah, no. So how we're approaching this is, you know, we're, uh, we're collecting data across, uh, across brokers via API. Um, they're, they're sending it to us on a, you know, daily cadence, um, and we're producing, you know, scorecards for on their behalf through our UI, um, and, uh, access to industry benchmarks. Um, so we kind of stand as this kind of unifying layer, uh, that helps, you know, align the industry around the standardization of those metrics and, um, you know, we, we're not you're replacing any existing systems that uh, th that a broker would have today. We're we're complementing them and help them augment uh, augment their systems um, specifically around you know kind of automation. Uh, we see a you know a huge opportunity for uh, brokers that are adopting this to help you know kind of automate 
away really key critical components of the procurement process. You know, if you think about the decisions that go into covering a load, right? You look at a you look at a load and you go, all right, who runs this lane? Right? What what carriers should I call here? How should I stack rank the you know the my waterfall call list here? Um, and you know we think that you know industry wide performance data is an incredibly powerful tool to improve that process and drive um, automation there. You know if you think about you know uh, some of the tools that brokers are using today to drive waterfall tendering and automate that procurement process, we can plug in there and help them optimize. You know who are you? offering this load to first, um, then, you know, you think, okay, are they compliant? Are they safe to work with? There's some tremendous tools available out there today, um, that, uh, can help, uh, automate that process. And similarly on the pricing front. Um, and then finally, can you trust this carrier? Are they going to be able to service the flow? Does their, you know, service history meet the expectations or requirements of my customer or my customer's customers? Um, so we believe that, you know, utilizing, uh, you know, performance data can really supercharge that procurement process and really drive um, automation and help brokers get the outcomes that they are, you know, they they want to uh, achieve from a performance standpoint. I feel like that has to be kind of a, a next level choice when you have the, especially in the procurement arena, when you're looking for new carriers out of your, you know, everyone has a struggle with, okay, I have this carrier. Are they legit? Are they not? Are they a good carrier? Will they get this stuff there in one piece? Will I have to you know, send a truck escorted by police in to go pick it up. You kind of want to know what you're working with. And I mean, I guess the same for shippers looking for a new brokerage, you know, they can only kind of go off their word. So I feel like just, you know, shining that light and saying, you know, this is what this person does really well, because, you know, not everyone's going to be a perfect match for each other. It's kind of about that finding someone that works for you. And I feel like you guys are just like, Switzerland with big flashlights like hey this is what this person does really well and this is you know where like this is where they're strong this is where you know they could be better but hey here's where they're improving so it's kind of that like that neutral like you mentioned that neutral data that's like everybody's not that bad yeah and we don't think it's limited to you know carriers and brokers either right like the it's a two-way street right shippers and their facilities you know they should have, you know, performance uh, metrics that are, you know, visible, be, you know, beyond uh, beyond their networks as well, right? Um, so, uh, it, you know, it's not limited to just the carrier base. We think, you know, every shipper, broker, carrier, facility, they should all kind of have this kind of standardized uh, performance scores at, at, at some point in the future. I absolutely love that. Just so everybody just kind of knows what you're getting into, because it's all about that. If you can, if you know, that you're walking into a dumpster fire, you can at least be prepared when you walk in with like your hazmat suit and your fire suit. But if you don't know and you're in like flip-flops, the shorts and a t-shirt and you walk into a dumpster fire, you're going to get real burned real quick. And I think just, you know, knowing and managing those expectations is half the battle. Yep, absolutely. All right, so we are running out of time, but there is a question that everyone that comes on the show has to answer and you, sir, are no exception. Are you ready? Uh, I'm, I'm ready. I'm buckled up. Is a hot dog a sandwich? You know, these are the types of hard-hitting questions that make me nervous to come on these shows. Um, you know, I just came, I just got back from Mexico recently, and I'm going to say, you know, maybe a hot dog is closer to a taco. Okay, that is something that has come up a few times, and the first time it did kind of destroy my entire world, but I've come around to it, um, and I see your point. However, I think if you walked into like a taqueria and they were like, you were like, I'll take a hot dog you might get laughed out. Yeah. 
Uh, I guess that's fair. Um, I think it depends on the taqueria, though. That's true. That is true. Because you never know. You could get someone that's just like down for whatever. And they're just like, yeah, sure, man. Here's here's a hot dog taco. Have a nice day. I'm pretty sure I've been to a taqueria that sells hot dogs. Okay. Maybe not, maybe not a hot dog taco, but I'm sure it exists. With creativity, you can make anything happen. Yeah. So if anyone wants to take on your hot dog opinions or, um, you know, they have questions themselves about, you know, where to even start with scorecarding or benchmarking, where can they find you outside the show? Uh, yeah, you can visit our website. It's uh, www.iso.io. Um, and uh, alternatively, you can reach us on LinkedIn, um, our company's website, or reach out to me personally. And uh, we'll respond in quick measure. Awesome. I love that you guys heard it here first. John's DMs are open and I cannot wait to see what slides into them. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Mary. Appreciate it. Find Check All the Podcast anywhere you get your podcasts like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to check out all the other incredible FreightWaves podcasts such as Loaded and Rolling and Rethinking Reshoring. Don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter on FreightWaves.com slash call. See you on the internet. Bye.